and welcome to another episode of The Backdoor Cut, our second episode, online episode or virtual episode that we're recording here in our respective countries and counties. Dara, Owen, how are you doing? How was round one? And how are we feeling getting into this new week, which we are Wednesday now, but uh, you probably have a little bit of training done. We'll start with Dara because Dara's been pretty vocal about how he's been feeling um, <laughs> online. Yeah, no, good to be back. And I suppose I think we had spoke a wee bit about it just in our, ourselves um, about how good it is, I suppose, to have the, the leagues back. But again, as a player who isn't involved, um, as me and Owen aren't, uh, it can be frustrating watching it. But no, it's good to have it back. And yeah, in terms of my own training, I suppose, kind of ramp things up a wee bit now over the last week or two in terms of conditioning and body is feeling better than it was probably this time last week or the week before so I'm a wee bit more positive I suppose on my outlook at the minute and I'm pushing towards getting back into the pitch whether that's in the league or not I, I'm not too sure to be honest but um, I'd love it to be I suppose <laughs> It's always hard when that first game comes around and you're in the dressing room and you're involved but you're not directly involved because you can't play Owen, did you feel something similar last weekend? Or are you kind of still going with the Owen McCabe, very positive, uh, abundant mindset all of the time, or does it ever get to you? No, I'd say this week was probably the one time it did get to me. Um, fuck, I was in a bad way over the over the weekend. like um, Bad, bad form. Like um, We were in Limerick and injured players didn't actually travel there. So it wasn't on TV, couldn't watch the game, just ah, depressing, like, and then you go on Instagram, you see the team running out and you're just going, ah, it was, it was horrible, like, but buzzing for the lads, class performance, uh, class win on the road as well, um, good start, hit the ground running and as cliche as it sounds, like, you're just happy, yes, you're happy for the team, but you are selfishly disappointed, you want to be a part of it and you, you play, you train so much to play and when you're not playing, it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling, like, but, uh, yeah, definitely over the weekend, bad, bad form, stinking form, but over the last couple of days, making progress again um, on the way back up. And yeah, we're back uh, feeling good again until the weekend, I'm sure. <laughs> so we'll, we'll touch on results in a second, but first off, it'll probably offer a lot of value to the listeners who may be going through similar things. How to figure out or find out how you guys bring your yourselves back to level and back to a positive mindset when you're dealing with the setbacks of injury and of rehab and the frustrations of not being able to do the thing that you love which is football I will start with Dara on that one yeah so I think it's important something I figured out is anyway like you're gonna you're gonna be frustrated like you're gonna be annoyed and it's okay to let that I suppose to feel that but to not let it get on top of you and start it affecting sessions and affecting pain in the body and affecting everything else so there will be times in my week where I am just annoyed and frustrated but over time I've probably minimized that and um, I just try and be as logical as I possibly can with it and think right what what can I actually do to help help the situation and get myself back so all I can do is I suppose is train as, as well as I possibly can given I suppose the level of pain or the level of readiness I have in that day if there is days where you know pain is higher or um I can't train with the intensity what else can I suppose do within that day and whether it's with nutrition whether it's with keeping stress levels down whether it's just enjoying other things to um continue to push me I suppose in the, in the right direction to get back playing um but I think where players go wrong is it they probably get worked up in how shit it actually is at times um and let that fester instead of just dealing with what you can actually deal with um, and at, at the at the start like maybe this time last year it was I found that a lot more difficult because it was new to me um, but over time I've, I've got a lot better at I suppose dealing with that and looking at things logically um, and just doing what I can each day I suppose um, that's my my way of doing it I suppose at the minute Owen do you ever struggle with that in that both of you are quite positive and quite action oriented do you ever struggle to just relax and get decrease the stress levels as Dara has said because obviously it's really frustrating as Dara has outlined there being on the sideline not being able to play 
but it's not just the nutrition. It's not just being really anal about your training. Um, it's the recovery as well and decreasing the stress levels. Do you have any uh, input on that or any specific kind of techniques that you've used to try to optimize your recovery of late? I think the main thing for me is just been trying to gain perspective. Like uh, I was just reading Dan Carter's book there, started about four months ago, but only finished it last night. Um, <laughs> but just reading through like the amount of injuries he went through in his career and the type of injuries that they were, they were all massive injuries and you're kind of going, right, like bit of perspective like I can, I'll be back here in a couple of weeks sort of thing like it's not a long term thing and then even going to training and you're seeing the ACL boys coming back and doing their rehab and you're going right like it could be it could be a lot worse so that perspective is definitely a big thing um, I think even for me just brain dumping and like chatting to people around me um, Paula fuck it she got the brunt of it there at the weekend like but she was very good and just like she'll, she'll call it how it is as well like um not one for oh, you'll be grand or whatever. It's just like, oh, and shut the fuck up and get on with it. Uh, it's like, right, fair enough. Um, but yeah, just, just brain dumping, like talking out loud and then almost like feeling that you, you, you come to the conclusion yourself. It's like, right, the only thing I can do is, is focus on what's in my control. Um, you can worry about, right, I want to be back. I'm missing this game. I'm missing that game. But the only thing you can control is your actual input. So obviously nailing your rehab, as Dara says, dealing your food, managing stress, all that sort of things. But I think for me, the biggest thing is, gaining perspective um it's not so much that it's more so whenever those times do get tough and you get a bit frustrated that it's like right you need something to sort of reset then um other than that i think i kind of handled it okay and i get through it all right but yeah it is those moments where you're kind of it is all sort of doom and gloom and you're going right you need something to come out of that and it's like having a wee trigger having just i think you get better with it at time as well um it's very easy to go down that sort of spiral but then I think the more you do it, the more you realize, right, how, how can I, the quicker you can get out of it, the better and focus on what's actually going to help you rather than just, you know, worrying about something or stressed about something is, is just going to make the whole scenario even worse. So uh, I think the more you do it, the more you recognize it and the quicker you can get out of it each time. From what you've both said there, it's very self-focused. Like you have to be very self-focused in rehab and return to play and trying to get back in the field to get yourself back there. And sometimes maybe you have to be even selfish but because you're so self-focused and the number one thing that you can do to improve is focus on your own performance, does it ever lead to you feeling quite isolated within the group? And are you a little bit reluctant to offer your opinion in maybe those analysis sessions with the group, given that you're not directly on the field? Or is it something that you're conscious of? And you try to voice your opinion as much as you would if you were still playing, because that does push the group forward. Dara? Yeah, I suppose, to be honest, I've kind of removed myself largely from it all. Um, it has been a lot of, I suppose, lonely sessions. Just a lot of my work is just done up at the, at the pitch of my own, maybe during the day or in the gym. Um, so it hasn't been the worst. Like I've, I've kind of enjoy, I, I enjoy training on my own as well, but I do feel then when I when I am in team meetings, when I am like you know I'm not I'm not training, I'm not doing the intensity of work that they're doing, I'm not within the game. So I personally don't feel comfortable uh, giving my opinion on, on certain things. If something popped up and it, you know really thought I could offer value, then I probably would. But um, so far I just feel like I'm probably. I've been well out of the loop, to be honest, um, and I hope to probably reintegrate back into that now as I ramp up training and probably return to, I suppose, doing maybe condition runs with the team. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like one to one with with friends who are on the team, I'd still, you know, I'd still have many discussions in terms of what I what I think in terms of what could be done better or what could be done, um, I suppose, to help the team or help them. But as a collective, yeah. Um, I, I don't feel I feel like you need to be within a group um, to suppose to offer that input yeah literally exact same um, haven't been really on the pitch planning just to get back on the pitch a wee bit here on Friday and even just if I'm around and you can see see things and you can watch things but when you haven't been on the pitch when they're training and you're not 100% involved in what's going on I think it's hard to kind of throw in an opinion there uh, because it's the lads that are training week in, week out and session, session after session, they know exactly what's going on. Whereas you might catch one glimpse of it and you don't see the whole picture sort of thing. So, and then even with the game, not being at the game, like it's hard for me to kind of go and, you know, add my sort of 
thoughts on it it's very easy for me to say just sitting sitting and watching or or catching up or whatever so yeah i think you do for me you definitely have to be a part of it you have to be involved in it the they, they offer those opinions but similar enough to there if you do see something and you're there and you feel like it's going to better the team or it's going to add to the team definitely but i think for myself it's almost as you say being selfish focus on yourself first and foremost get yourself back and then once you're in the mix again then you start sort of bringing that in Part of me is thinking that's kind of the wrong approach, but uh, and you should be offering a bit more. But at the same time, your primary focus is right, just get myself sorted, and then that'll probably impact. Well, hopefully, impact the team a bit more than you know just talking. Like, and it might be different had you been or have you if you've been in the group for like seven, eight years rather than the two ye. How long are you in the senior group now? You were obviously in it initially on, then you left and then you came back and then Dara, you've been in since you were quite young, like nineteen twenty. Six years yeah. now. Yeah, six years. <laughs> Jeez, that's actually mad now that I actually think about it. Um it doesn't feel like six years. But I suppose listen, if I don't know if it would make a difference if it was seven. Maybe maybe if it was yeah, maybe nine, ten years in the panel, and you're just a, you know, a, a, one of the a leaders for maybe four or five years. It it might be a bit different. Um, but yeah, I still I still kind of feel a bit young to be honest when it comes to it. Um, probably because of COVID robbing us of a year or two of football. And because you're a TikToker as well, so you get a load of stick over that. I'm sure for me and the TikTok people are people are. Sick listening to me at this stage. <laughs> don't want me coming in and talking anymore. Well, the followers are still going up, so you obviously still have some value to offer, and people are still tuned in to what you're saying. Owen, does it make it easier to speak with your athletes that are going through similar struggles in terms of their injury, given that you're going through the exact same thing, or does it make her maybe maybe even makes it a little bit harder, or do you find that it allows you to kind of uh, just decipher your own thoughts or differentiate what the positives are and what the negatives are because you're speaking to somebody in a similar position and not just yourself all the time yeah 100% I definitely feel like you can relate a lot more with them when they get the initial blow and pick up an injury along the way which is inevitably going to happen you know exactly how to feel in that moment and the big thing is you can focus so much on what you can do rather than you can't do I think there's a big culture in the GAA I'd say it's almost like 50 50 where people will focus on what they can't like they'll get straight into the rehab focus on what they can do and be very positive on it but i do think there's still a lot of players who get injured and ah sure i'll just wait a couple of weeks let it pass over and then i'll come back in whereas you're thinking right i you need to maximize this time like yes one work on your rehab then two like pick something else to go and work towards um whether it's off-feet conditioning whether it's going like adding a couple of extra upper body sessions in like trying to flip it and, and trying to, I spoke about perspective earlier, trying to flip the perspective of it. Uh, I definitely think that's one thing I try to communicate with the athletes, um, with the players that I'm working with. And yeah, it's good. It's good to get that sort of like for them to know as well. I'm sure that they feel kind of safe that, right, he can relate. He's been in this position. He can offer value and they'll ask questions as well. Um, but then also you can, when it comes to the sort of the mindset side of things as well, and it's maybe going on a wee bit longer, they have a bit of a setback. Again, you can relate. It just makes them feel more comfortable. But um, yeah, definitely feel like it's you're more in touch with them now. Going by your post last week, you've been getting in more than a couple extra upper body sessions a week. Uh, <laughs> trying to put on this, this, this size and fill out the jersey. Um, but it is kind of bringing you back to what you said, like there's always something that you can do. And it's probably something that both of you have realized from working with great practitioners in Alan and with Alice as well is there's always something that you can improve and rest is not going to solve your injury problems. Even though, as you said, their own lots of athletes think that, Oh, I'll just rest it for a couple of weeks and then I'll be right as rain ready to go back. Um, is that something that you made a mistake with in the past, Dara? Or have you been pretty lucky in regards to um, having the experience and the knowledge around injury and rehab that potentially maybe you went the other side of the spectrum and did a little bit too much too soon and now you have Alan to rein you back in? Yeah, like 100% I did it both. So I obviously played, you know, I've, I've spoken with this before, but I played through the season with the injury. So 
I can't. I don't really look at that part of the era as any mistake in terms of what I did with rehab. That was purely like just trying to get myself right to play in the pitch every single week, get peeing down and play. When I finished with the county, then um, in my head I had felt like right, I've tried everything, which I hadn't, and I was like, well, the only other option here is I need to rest and I need to do something. So that's when I went travelling. I was like, right, just give the body some time. Like logically, I was thinking the tissue needs time to heal without aggravating it, like, which is a logical enough way of thinking about things. Um, but the body still needs movement, especially when um, a tissue needs heal, it needs blood flow around that area. You need to be doing something. You need to be walking. You need to be doing mobility. You need to be doing small bits of rehab that doesn't aggravate it. But I obviously went away and was probably away for five, six weeks consuming alcohol and falling off motorbikes and I came back in one of the worst like honestly I can't even describe how bad of a condition I was in in terms of the pain I was feeling compared to before I left like before I left I was not far away from returning in my head and how I felt and so that was a massive learning curve in terms of the body the need it needs some form of stimulus and it needs good nutrition and it needs um, less alcohol in the system too it's, it definitely has a massive impact but um, and then the other side of it was again when I, before I actually went away travelling I had went through a bit with the county and I had took time off and I had said right I'll take three four weeks but I ended up doing t- too much and that went the other way then in terms of just aggravated things um, but again different different injuries need different obviously um, outlooks I suppose as you as you know um, when it comes to a tendon, that may, that's going to need something completely different to a muscle injury, completely different to a bone injury. Um, so I suppose, yeah, but I suppose as, as a whole, movement is definitely going to be required for nearly all injuries and movement that doesn't cause pain, especially. Um, just enough, I suppose, to, to keep blood flow through the body and keep some form of stimulus. Owen, we've obviously chatted about how you've pushed it quite hard in terms of strength and load and as well as that on the pitch in terms of your acceleration and, and the approach that you use to, to trying to develop your speed. Is that something that maybe you were pushing a little bit too hard when you had the misdiagnosis of the injury? And in a way, has the, mis- has the actual diagnosis of the injury, even though it's probably a little bit more severe, been a good thing in terms of now you're doing the right things that you need to do to try and get yourself back? Yeah, 100%. But for both questions, so I was just thinking about it and I was chatting about pushing on and going through things. Like I remember this year, or sorry, last year, when it first came up, it was just a pure load, just too much load, too much running, um, too much speed. And then... I remember I got it right that it was feeling good, played the Armagh game, the championship, in the last sort of 10 minutes I felt it there, and then I was back out a week later playing another game, and then went back into club games, and I was trying to, and it was just too much too soon, and in the space of two weeks, I think you are playing maybe two, three, four games, like, and it was just, um, with that sort of sort of pain there, and then I came back in for an in-house game, and just, I couldn't even, I could barely even walk on, I couldn't even do like a single leg bridge, but, and then you're one there, right, what's the crack, and then you get through the season, you take the couple of months there, so literally took from when we finished, say, as soon as club championship was done, so August, September, October, even November, December, right, get this right, get this right, um, get back for a week for training, and then a week later again, was thrown up, I was like, right, so then finally, once I did get the diagnosis, I was like, this this makes sense, because at that stage, I was just going through the same cycle, the same cycle, and I was just getting the same results, um, so once I actually got the scan, I was, I was almost relieved, I remember going into the scan, thinking, I actually hope there's a tower here, because it would just, at least give me clarity in terms of what's right or what's wrong with it, sorry, and what I actually have to go and do. So definitely getting that clarity has been has been good. And just to get a definitive answer and then actually get a process in place. Although it's pushed the process back, but at least it's getting sorted now rather than dragging on another thread another full season like so um yeah, definitely glad to have the, the clarity on it. And now you can move forward and move towards focusing on the league, obviously, which we are going to speak about now. So two good results, I suppose, for both Antrim and Fermanagh. We'll start with you, Dara. What's the feeling like in the group with some pundits writing you off um, and saying that you're not up to the level of the league that you're in? And then you go away from home and put in a performance, Um, get, I wouldn't say... a, a 
huge result, but it's definitely a positive result away from home. So what's the vibe like in the crew? Yeah, so to be honest, we're well used to it and we get it every single year. Like I'm convinced if we went and won also this year, we'd probably still be least favourites to win it next year. And that's just the way we've always been viewed. And, you know, obviously this year there's been maybe a wee bit more logic thrown into it in the fact that we've lost quite a few players. Um, you know, probably six starters, maybe from if you compared the first game in the league last year, championship to this year. Um, but to be honest, it's it's brilliant to have that, and we always just use it as fuel. It, it honestly does. Like as a player, it that was nearly what was getting me most last week was just hearing all this bullshit and and seeing it all and, and seeing the odds to the games and just thinking, fuck, I would love to be playing like and just. Yeah, I, I I find it within opposition teams as well in terms of players. Like, you just it it just you get so much more satisfaction when you actually go out and put in a performance and, and beat them. Or at the weekend, um, we should have beat them to be honest. But just it, it fuels the fire to be honest within the camp, and it always it always has done. So I suppose the only way you can view it is a, as a positive in that way. Um, and yeah, I think that that'll always be there. And. As well as that, I, when we spoke last year, I remember distinctly you saying that you were in a bit of a transition and that you had a lot of older lads and then a lot of younger lads. So even though you've lost, say, six starters off the panel, you probably have lads coming through that are willing to step up. And that's probably what we saw at the weekend. So is there a different mentality within the camp now, having those six lads moved on? Is there probably more of a burden maybe burden's the wrong word, but placed on your shoulders? You're carrying a heavier load, let's say? I'm not sure. Do you mean like as a team we're carrying a heavier load? As in some of the lads are having to step up and take a little bit more responsibility given that those six kind of leaders, as you said, or senior players have moved on. Yeah, well, I suppose a lot of the players who now are stepping up have already been stepping up for the last three, four years, people just haven't really heard much about them. Um we have a lot of like we honestly do have a lot of quality there. Um like that Hogan Cup team that obviously won it has come through. There's there's a few playing now, like really good players and would compete with anyone. Um we have players there who've been, you know, playing for seven, eight years that are still performing. And then obviously we have a few new faces who again people haven't really heard much about them. But in terms of like the quality within the squad, there's there's, there's still a lot of quality and, and the players who I I suppose I mentioned have already been stepping up over the last few years have probably just continued doing what they're doing. Um like we did lose experience but I don't know how much I don't really rate experience that highly to be honest anymore. Um if I'm being totally honest, as in like physically the players are in a really good place. Um which counts for a lot. And then nearly everyone who's played at the minute already has played before. So like, it's not as if we're throwing in debuts into the squad. Like, I honestly, I don't even think anyone made a debut at the weekend. Um, so there's players there who've played before um, and are comfortable in that environment and comfortable, I suppose, physically that they're able to compete. So yeah, uh, we still have, we still have a good squad there. Like, um, and I suppose the age profile of the squad is, is, is young enough now, but Again, not not crazy young either. Like, um, so we're in a good enough place. That famous uh, Manchester United team of David Beckham, the Neville brothers, and all they said. I think in their first season, you don't win anything with kids, and then they went and won uh, the Premier League. So, like, there's a lot of confidence there coming out of your mouth, I suppose, and there's probably a lot of confidence in the camp. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a young team. But in terms of confidence then and having those goals on, what are the goals for the team this year? Like, are ye eyeing maybe promotion up to be up there with Dara, even though Dara does usually be slagging you that you're going down into Division 4? And is it a realistic target for ye following a big win away from home this year, this past week? Yeah, I think um, we'll be on the way up. And Fermanagh will just sort of we'll pass each other on the, <laughs> way, on the way up. Like. Um <laughs> Oh my high the Tulsa Cup game went last year, like fuck we should have You'd be going to uh, Australia anyway. But 
<laughs> after the end of the season. So go for go for Christmas be back for Mechanic Cup twenty twenty five. Um nah, we don't play Mechanic Cup. That <laughs> uh, must be you, elder statesman. Now you don't have to don't have to talk about it comes. But yeah, definitely goals. Like the goals at the start of last year were to get promotion, and it was definitely in our hands. Like, and there was a couple of games there. Fermanagh uh, obviously pipped us last. Um, there was a couple of results like that. The down game, awfully game, didn't really perform, and we lost by a couple of points. Um, so it was it was definitely in our hands, and we definitely have the potential there to do it. And I do think the team has sort of gone up a level. I think even the experience of getting that run in the Talisman Cup, getting more games together. Um, and then the workload that the boys went through over the winter has definitely been encouraging. So, again, sites sites will be set high. Like we'll we'll definitely be aiming for promotion. Like there's no there's no doubt about that. Um, and yeah, like you know, you look within that squad. It's from even a lot of the older fellas in the team. Uh, from chatting to them, and they've been about for 10, 12 years. Like, and they're saying it's one of the tightest teams that they've been involved in. So there's a good sort of vibe about the about the team as well. Good atmosphere, players all get on with each other, and um, it's a it's a good environment to be a part of. Like it's real, it's real enjoyable, real good crack like too. So I think that counts for a lot as well. I know it's not the be all end all, but you know you can be a great team and, and not play well or not perform. But um, I do think there's definitely a a bit of a bit of a, a balance between the two, and I definitely think getting those performances helps the connection as well. And I think when you're, you are that wee bit tight knit. It definitely drives performance sometimes too. Like so, no, it's a, it's encouraging, and exciting, and and definitely exciting for for the year ahead. Being tight knit as a group is incredibly important. Like, and you need to have that togetherness and that buy in from everybody into the process. I just wanted to ask, what is the process like for the league? In that, it is common practice from a lot of teams to trial different players maybe in different positions or different players that are on the peripheries of the squad in the league. If you get dropped for a league game, do you still take it as hard as you would if you got dropped from a championship game? Or is it kind of accepted that there will be lads coming in and out of the squad? We'll start with Owen on this one. I I think from our position, the league's always massive for us because in the past, you would have said, right, not really competitive not not going to compete in Ulster like realistically in the last like number of years definitely think we're making strides but in order to long term be competitive in Ulster be competitive in championships you need to be playing at, playing at a higher level of football week in week out so I think the priority has to be getting up from it was obviously we're yo-yoing between sort of the division three division four there for a couple of years so it's um getting the division two sustaining that division two and then eventually pushing on from there um like we see ourselves as definitely a division two team um or the potential to be a division two team at least so that's what we're obviously working towards and then with that the league is obviously very important like i think for us it's the it's the biggest competition so personally speaking if i was dropped for a league game i'd be fuming um i wouldn't want to be dropped for it i wouldn't i want to play every league game that i can and just show like going by some of those games last year, like you saw the the Calvin game that we had, and that was one of the ones like we had to win that to stay up, I think. And just that almost felt like a championship match. So I think getting promotion for the county would be massive. And like as a group, league is our is your main target first and foremost. Obviously, you want to give a run championship, and you like you're 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 looking at the championship too, and looking at some of the performances we've put in. We've gone right, okay, there's potential there, but um, we're not definitely not looking past the league. I think long term for long term development, you want to be moving up the divisions, playing at the higher division as possible. And that's where a lot of development will come from. So league for us is massive. And um, yeah, I don't think anyone would be too happy if they're if they're dropped for a league game or not getting games in, in the league. Like Similar from yourself, Dara, or would you have any caveats that you'd put to that? No, very, very similar, to be honest. Like there'd be no, there'd be very little experimentation going on within a league. To be honest, I don't think there'd be much experimentation going on with any teams apart from the top three or four, to be honest. Like a lot of teams are nearly everyone division two, three, four wanna go up and the bottom couple in division one just obviously wanna make sure that they're not going down. So um as a player, no, nah, I wouldn't you wouldn't be taking it as rotation. Like if that was what if that was what you were told, you'd be calling it bullshit and you'd be absolutely fuming as Owen says. So um yeah, you want to play like as a player. You you don't do dogging sessions for November, December, 
and the start of January to you know be experimented with come the main part of the season, which is the league for eighty percent of teams. Um, yes, the championship is still a massive thing, and especially now the Halton Cup in, but. Uh, the league is massive. The league is massive, and and most teams are preparing for a big league. Um, apart from maybe the top five or six, who are probably sole sole focus is is an All Ireland. <clears throat> is it hard to sustain that though nowadays with like league rolling into championship and then maybe Tadjan Cup as well? Like it's a long season with lots of matches, and if there is no squad rotation, lads are going to be push pretty hard pretty early I'd say especially if you're treating every league game like a championship game we'll go with Owen first yeah um, I think inevitably you're going to pick up injuries along the way I think that's where the whole backroom team and setup comes in where you're looking at right what's the load knowing certain players knowing what they're like knowing what stage they're at what they're if they're coming back from injuries you know how much work they've gone through what position they're playing and I think so much that comes into it and that's where teams and setups are really tested I think with with the league that, and as I say inevitably we're going to have injuries so you do need boys to step up and you know there's been times where you look at a team that's or you look at the first game of a league or the, the, the team of the first game of a league and you look at the last game of the league it could be it could be night and day difference but then all people need is that one opportunity to come in and, and, and set the tone and, and take a spotlight and then push on from it um, I can remember even seeing you know some people sort of coming in you're kind of going Oh, what's going on here? You'd never have that, and then it's a master stroke, and the 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 perform, and then they hold the spot for the rest of the league, and they're a real addition to the team. Like so, um, I think it can be it's a challenge, yes, but it, it gives boys an opportunity, and then if you're in the right position, if you if you take that opportunity, it can work really well for individuals. Um, but that's the that's the beauty of having a squad as well, where players can step up and players can fill in, and I suppose the importance of having a squad as well. You know, if you start running thin coming towards the last couple of games and players aren't available or people can't aren't stepping up, then yeah, you'll find yourself in trouble. But I think it it's no, it's exciting, like it's definitely part of it. Is it hard with the squad rotation, Dara? Like especially like given that everybody wants to have their reserves being just as good as the starters, but maybe in the perceived smaller counties, it doesn't happen all the time. I don't think like You've got how many? Eight league games? Or seven, is it? Um, and you've got how many championship games? It depends on how many you have. Like, so I don't think the load is massive. Like, to be honest, you have, you have two breaks in the league. Um, the worst thing I found when there was a three or four week gap between league and championship was if you were going and you are getting absolutely dogged for three weeks. And that was nearly worse than just rolling into games. Um, and people have probably heard many players speak about this before, but you want games and I don't think it's it's too much to be honest and I think it just can be unlucky at times when certain squads do pick up two or three and obviously when you're in maybe division two, three, four teams the ability to rotate between 25, 26 players isn't you know a luxury um, it can be a bit more difficult but players shouldn't really be picking up too many injuries um, throughout the league if a lot of injuries you'll see will be you know unlucky as I mentioned like a contact injury or something but if you've built up a massive load in the off season you've thought you've put in the work and you're moving your body's moving well then it, it shouldn't be much of an issue to be honest and I actually enjoy when there's a smaller gap between league and championship obviously you don't want to be rolling straight in maybe a week or two but um, two, two three weeks between is, is good um, and it's, it's a lot more enjoyable I find so it's not the cumulative load of the games, but it's the combined load of both the games and the training, as well as, as we all know, and as we're touching on your recovery. So it's probably not going to be too much for somebody that has all of those things in check um, and has a job where they can maybe have the most optimal recovery possible. But it's probably one of the major reasons that we don't see as many tradesmen playing in the inter-county game as we used to, because it just doesn't constitute with um, high-quality recovery, obviously getting up to go to a site at 5, 6 a.m. in the morning and then train until, I don't know, 9, half, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Um, it's probably harder for them to break through, even though there are a few, and I'm sure you two get a lot of stick about being online coaches as Dara you've said working in cafes for a career um, 
which is obviously just jealousy. But it is a hard task if you have all of these stressors on you to make it and continue to have the outputs to tolerate intercounty, uh, the intercounty game. Do you think it's going to move to a stage where intercounty teams are going to get younger and younger? Or do you think because of advancements in strength and condition and sports science, we're going to see the top players hanging on for longer and longer? I think we're already seeing it. I think we're already seeing players hanging on for longer and longer. Um, I was just watching Aidan O'Shea move around the pitch at the weekend. He's he's moving the same as he was maybe four or five years ago. Um, but the recovery process is huge, huge. And obviously there's there's players who are just, you know, a bit more challenged in terms of their, their job is, is quite stressful. And it does obviously become a lot more difficult if you're getting five or six hours of sleep every night, you know, between game like for a full week between games, your recovery just simply isn't going to be the same. But I think it comes down to I suppose managers and coaches managing load and trainings throughout the week. I think if you if you prioritise freshness every single week for the for the, throughout the league campaign, then there's no reason the body wouldn't be fully recovered for those games. Um, and there's you know there's a, an abundance of information and knowledge and methods out there now that 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 are there to improve that side of things and improve recovery. Um, that I think it's made a lot easier for people now than it may have been six or seven years ago. Um, and obviously you've got a lot more data where coaches are now able to pull back load and pull pull players out of sessions. So that's probably why we're seeing players holding on for longer. There's a bit more logic in, in terms of, you know, this guy might be 34, he's been playing for 14 years, he doesn't need to cover 7, 8k tonight so if we have a game on Sunday and he played at the weekend um, so yeah there's there's a lot more of that going on I think we'll definitely see players continuing on into the late 30s to be honest playing county level football Yeah I'm going to throw you under the bus here Owen um, and obviously we're talking about recovery and, and optimal recovery and processes and all what was your perspective on the Glen boys being thrown in at the weekend? Because as Dara just said, they're probably thinking, I just want to play, like play games and I want to put my best foot forward for a new manager. Yeah, uh, I get that. Um, but if it was me, I would be seen for a week at least, like after winning the Club All-Ireland. Um, putting me out of, out of the, off the high still at fucking 10 o'clock on Saturday morning the, the good end of the game. Um, but... No, fair play, fast, but I just I think it was mad. I think it was madness. Um, if they, if there is truth in that the they wanted the play and they were all buzzing, obviously they're going to say that for cameras or whatever. Um, fair play to them if that's if that's truth, like respect it, class. But I don't know. Just the instinct tells me, you know, like obviously they all had a good performance. They did look like times where they started getting fatigued second half, few mistakes, black card and whatnot. Um, was it the smartest idea to maybe play them? I don't think so from a, I don't know. I'm not Mickey Hartnick, but from, from my own perspective, like I just think it's, I think it's a bit mad, but at the same time, you know, if they did decide that they wanted to play and they put their hands up to go and play, um, I think fair play, respect them. Like, but uh, now something tells me, I think they're maybe forced a wee bit in it there. Um, that's my initial thought. Like, I think, well, I heard Connor Glass talking about it today on a, on, a podcast and he just mentioned that he was always planning to go down to Kerry. Um, I think the fact that the game was in Kerry against Kerry, you you obviously would be absolutely buzzing to go and play something like that. And I think he said he drank till, till Wednesday, so we'll let him off the hook okay. on that. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, going down and I suppose having two nights away in Kerry with the team, with the opportunity to play under lights in Killarney, you know, would you look back in 40 years and regret not going down there, I think you probably would. Um, every opportunity, like I know personally, I, I don't know to be honest in terms of what I would actually do. Um, but I, you know, they they made a decision in terms of how their actually their bodies actually felt come Thursday Friday. But um, I'd definitely be enjoying three four days anyway on the rip. And then if the body felt good, you know, you'd probably be excited to go down and play a game like that and and see how you get on. So, um, I'd cut them a bit of slack in that regard. Um. The fact I don't know if the game was in if there was a game in Derry against anyone else would they have played I don't know um, I think just that, 
that the fact that it's it's Clarny under lights, I think, might have influenced that a wee bit. As well as that, like they're probably thinking that we've won a lot over the last few years. <laughs> So even though they've won in All-Ireland, they've still won Ulsters and all the rest of it. So they're no strangers to the high stool, I'm sure, to celebrate those wins. So obviously, if, as you said, Owen, if you were to win in All-Ireland, it might be a, a, a crazy run where you've gone the whole way through Ulster and up to the All-Ireland and maybe has come unexpected, even though no club is going to say it's unexpected. So maybe that's why you'd be on the high stool for a fortnight after it. Um, whereas the Glen boys aren't strangers to success at all, as well as that they're at that higher level where they probably have the mentality that they want to go winning all the time and competing, so they actually enjoy it. But I know myself, like if I was part of that performance staff, if I had any hair, I'd be pulling it out because I'd be so worried that one of them was going to pick up an injury so early. And maybe that's a conservative approach, but it's just an approach that probably is focused more towards the championship than it is towards the league. And like from the outside looking in, we don't know what their priority is. Usually they do go pretty hard in the league anyway. So um, it'll be seen in the future, I'm sure, where they're going to go and, and what they're going to have in their sights for the rest of the year. Um, but we said last week, um, or a couple of weeks ago in our episode, that we'd move on to some of the questions that our listeners have been throwing in. So, I said we'll try out a few of these, the best ones. The first one's an interesting one. It is, who, in your opinion, is the most underrated footballer in the country? We'll start with Dara. Mm, that's, a very, that's a very tough question. Um, and I probably need to have a wee think about that. Um, underrated. If Owen has someone, we'll, we'll uh, go to Owen. As well, I'm trying to think. Uh, what is it? Phone a friend. <laughs> we'll do, I was listening to a podcast today, actually, Chris William and um, Alex Ramosi, and a lot of it was, like, I nearly thought the podcast was off. There was that much silence between yeah. between <laughs> them speaking. So we'll go with that for this one. We'll just sit in silence for five minutes. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've caused that, so we can't sit in silence for too long. That's one thing I've actually been thinking about every time it came on. I was checking, I had it in the car earlier, I was seeing Danny hit play again. And I've been thinking about it myself, trying that the um and ah, uh, I've been listening back to the last episode and the amount of times I said that, I was I was cringing at myself. So I'm trying to pause a wee bit more. Underrated player. I think online it, it probably happens too. Do you want to name a county and it might make it easier? No. An underrated <laughs> player within. <laughs> <laughs> pick a Fair pick enough. a province. We'll go we'll go province so first. So we'll go with most underrated footballer in Ulster. In Ulster, okay. <laughs> Doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> you should have sent me these questions. <laughs> you don't want to give anyone a one up in Ulster, like true. Well, I would say from my own perspective, and it's a bit of a rogue opinion because people will say oh, he's rated quite highly. I just don't think he's rated as highly as he should be. I'd say Shane McGuigan, to be honest. Because, like, I don't think people appreciate just how good he is. Like, they wouldn't hold him in the same conversation as Clifford and Walsh. And I think from watching him over the last year, he absolutely belongs in that conversation. And maybe as a back, uh, you can probably um, offer some value and insight into how good he is just from watching him or from playing against them all. Yeah, definitely. I've never actually played against him, but I can imagine him being a handful. He, yeah, he looks tricky to mark. Um, Kicking ways, unreal. Just find, seems to find space and gets shots away. And he's not going to miss from free. He'll, he'll, he'll get in the contact nicely. Um, and then anywhere within the 45, like he's, he's putting it over. Like, um, so he's dangerous, like he can he strong fella, big fella. I think you, you saw he come out and caught that one in midfield there at the weekend too. Um just ah, ah he's quality like I, I would agree with you. I definitely would agree with that. I've heard I've heard quite you know, I remember I think it might have been Paddy Andrews who spoke about him on a podcast last year and he claimed that he claimed that Paddy Small was better and like you know, Shane McGuigan's in the top three forwards in Ireland. Um pure just pure quality on the field. And he'll probably start getting a bit more credit now as Derry 
um compete for probably the All Ireland the next year or two, but um definitely I think that's probably that's actually quite a good shout. Um obviously he's rated highly but um not as highly as he probably should be, uh, to be honest. Um so yeah, that's probably the one in Ulster. Will we go province by province then? Does that make the most sense? And if so then will we go with Connacht next? Yeah. So let me have a think about this one. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Waiting for it. Um, um Yeah, you can go first. I think Are you talking to me or Owen? Owen. Are you? Do you have an idea in Connacht? Uh, I'd be fairly Mayo biased. I'd say I, I was going to say affiliation with Ballantubber. Um, I think I think in that in the Mayo team especially, there's a load of new potential coming through. Uh, I know in the past you would have been very focused, like Killian O'Connor, Jamie O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea. Obviously, I think there's a lot of serious players coming through and serious athletes as well. Um, I think. Obviously, he was out with the, the injury there. He, he had the cruise shit there last year. He's back in again. He's, he'll be flying this year. Um, but one, I think, it was Jordan Flynn um, last year really stepped up. Um, I think he was kicking. I think it was one of the Champions games. He kicked three, four points maybe from, from wing forward. Um, so, yeah, I think serious serious potential there. Like, and he's, he's shown glimpses of it. And I think he's, the next couple of years, he'll step up as, a, as one of the, probably the leaders for, for, for Mayo. Like, um, so yeah, I think when when you have players like Killian O'Connor about there, it can be easy to kind of go under the radar. Um, but you know when you watch the games and you see what's going on, um, ah, he's he's he shows some serious potential. Like. I actually was going to say Jordan Flynn as well. Just when I was thinking of Mayo, when you when you had mentioned Mayo, um, pure quality and always plays too. Like he's he's nearly consistent within the team throughout early stages of the league, throughout the main part of the league and has been for the last couple of years and probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um and as you say, all always good for a couple of scores. Yeah. I was on about Conroy there when I was chatting about the injury for his name completely went out of my head. Um class as well. I was it sounded like I was saying Jordan Flynn had an injury, but no, it wasn't him. <laughs> uh but no Jordan Flynn, yeah. But that forward line in Mayo, like it just strike fear into any opposition, really. Like there's not one weak link in it. So is it a possibility for them this year? Is it the same as usual? Like, and what is missing, do you reckon? If you came up against them as an opposition, what would you be saying are their weaknesses? We'll go to Owen first because obviously we're talking about the forwards and being so strong and he's a back man. <laughs> um I don't know what it is. I think it's I think it's maybe a consistency thing. I think it's they can hit some serious highs, but then maybe struggle to back it up the following week or whenever it really matters. Like, um, you know, they'll go serious in the league, but then whenever it comes to championship, they maybe drop off a wee bit. But um, I, I think, I think for me, from from the outside looking in, obviously, like I don't really, I don't know any of them. I wouldn't speak to any of them, but I, it seems like a consistency set of things where you can see. I think you just sort of have a, maybe it is the past and maybe subconsciously because there's so much talk about what's happened in the past and nearly stories. I think subconsciously, maybe that might seep in a wee bit. Like I'm thinking about even Tyrone after the year, the one nil Ireland, there's so much talk about, we can't mess this up. We we don't want this to happen. We don't want to have a hangover year sort of thing. And then because there was so much focus on that not happening, it ended up happening anyway because I think the it took so much energy out of them. So I think it could be something like that, something something subconscious. But um, I think it is a consistency thing. It's obviously hitting those heights, which they can undoubtedly hit. Like they're one of the best teams in the country for the last about ten fifteen years. But I think it is a consistency thing of of, of when it matters, um, consistently performing at that high level week in week out, um, and getting those results that when things start getting tight that they they come out the right side of them. I don't know if they have a prolific enough score getter, as in like a, a Shane McGregor, as we were speaking about, um, someone mm-hmm. with you know pace, power, size, and the ability to kick seven points a game consistently. Um, obviously, Kelly O'Connor did it for a long time, but you know he's kind of past that stage now. Ryan O'Donoghue is. Hey, don't speak too soon. He's getting faster. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was with Brother. Have you come too late, lad? We'll see. I don't we'll know. See. It's never too late, let's say. We'll see. Um, Rainer Ronnie obviously is probably their main free taker and score getter at the minute, but you know, size isn't on his side, I suppose, when it comes to getting man marked and playing, you know, in a tight big game. So yeah, I don't know. Does that mean you can't win all Ireland? No, but um it can come back to bite you in certain games, I think. Hundred percent, and I did like the the look of uh, that young Fergal Boland at the weekend. He scored a couple of quality scores, like, um, and he looked to move really, really well. So, like, maybe it is if somebody does step up, and it could be any one of them. What you've just touched on there, Dara, is they probably have the talent, um, but what we're wondering is are any of them going to be on form for the whole season and be that score getter for them and then potentially they'll have a better chance of getting over the line I think will we, will we go through the rest of the provinces before we wrap up or will we move on to a different question I think we'll go go another question there yeah we'll go another <laughs> okay, question you're, you're stuck on minutes. that one too much <laughs> um, how do I become more effective on the ball as an individual if I only get a number of possessions per game we'll go with Dara first being in the forwards that's from Jay Hatzer 11 yeah that's I suppose a tricky one but it depends as a forward if I'm getting minimal possessions in a game I'll I'll come out and look for the ball a wee bit more in certain parts of the game to just feel my way into it I suppose Um, and yeah, I suppose when it comes to big games and, and and times like that, the work should nearly be done already within training sessions within other games, um, so that you're able to make big plays. You know when you do get the ball, um, and again it comes back to what you're doing on your own off the field, what you're doing before training, what you're doing during training, that to I suppose push your level upwards in terms of your confidence on the ball and your ability to take men on so um, yeah I think it's just again it's reps like so if you're not getting enough reps in games you're going to have to up your reps outside of games um, and that's probably the only way you can really do it and review footage outside of out of games um, see how you can actually get on the ball a bit more within games um, and yeah get, get out on your own I suppose and, and rep out you know the movements and games that, you, that are gonna, I suppose, have the most impact for you. I suppose the way you play the game. Obviously, Owen, you like to go get a score. You'd like to think that you're a man that's going to go get a score. But how can backs do the exact same thing when maybe they're limited by being by themselves? Is it focusing on the same ball skills as the forwards, or is it working on movement skills? Um, in spite of potentially the advantages of working on those ball skills like Darius just touched on. Yeah, I definitely think it's a blend of both. Like you wanna obviously have the physical ability and work on things in a closed environment away from the teams that you have I suppose more tools in the toolbox so that whenever it comes to seeing something in a game and being in a certain scenario, you you're not thinking about it just subconsciously, it just happens, it's just a natural reaction. Um in terms of maybe putting the brakes on, changing direction or how you're gonna sort of got to get from moving one way and transitioning to um, getting moving forward from a physical standpoint but then from a skill standpoint yeah like I definitely think having working on the same skills ball handling solo on the ball um, obviously taking scores if it, if it come, if the opportunity arises like how many times do you see defenders get up like find themselves in the opposition 45 and then they get on the ball and it's almost like freeze or I'll ship it off and they just they don't want to take the shot so it's Definitely what Dara says is exposure to different scenarios. Um, the more often you find yourself in those scenarios, the more um, confident and competent, I suppose, you become. And I suppose reflecting on it is a good bit as well. You know, if you get into those sort of, like even thinking of myself last year, it's like it was a couple of times I got up into the far 45 and I was kind of going, fuck, what am I doing here sort of thing. Uh, in a club game, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, exactly. So... It's, it's, it's then being conscious on that, being deliberate with your practice then. So 
making a conscious effort, right? Okay, in training, I'm going to focus on getting forward. And when I get forward, this is what I'm going to work on. Um, and then you start to notice patterns of play. You start to notice different um, setups. And uh, and then you have different tools in the toolbox to, to, to try and break that down or to solve that problem. Like So um, I think it is working on it in the closed environment and then bringing it into the game. And I suppose the more exposures and the more reps you get in of it, the more comfortable you become. So we're talking about defenders getting up the field and getting scores, and this is probably the most relevant question to ask next from Oshin Murray. What's the biggest issue with how modern football is played, and how would you address it, Dara? Jesus, that's a that's a, a deep question. I think I think modern football is starting to, I suppose, change slightly from what it was maybe four or five years ago where it was really I suppose just all about breaking down defences and getting up and getting down I feel like it's opening up a wee bit more um, I know there's been different I suppose proposals for rule changes and stuff where you keep so many players in certain parts of the field um, which I have thought about as well and could be a good idea but I think it's going the right I think it's starting to go the right way again and we're starting to see better games of football more free-flowing football um, teams are starting to realise like the amount of work that's been done on breaking down blanket defences over the last five years, and Owen's probably you know experienced it too within trainings. Like a lot of work would have been done on breaking those defences down now. So even I know myself and within team settings, I'm very comfortable when a team does set up with 14, 15 behind the ball that I'm going to be able to break them down. So teams are starting to realise that and starting to probably keep more men up and 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 maybe aren't as defensive. So. Um, yeah, we see, we're seeing that at the higher levels now again, and I think football's getting a wee bit more enjoyable. So um, hopefully there'll be no need for any rule changes um, over the next few few years. Yeah, I think rule changes do my head and like just leave it as it is and it'll work itself out. It always goes in a, a sort of full cycle or evolves over time. Um, but no, I definitely think, I think with the game, the way it can be coached, I think, the skills can kind of be coached out of players at times. Like that sort of instinct, they're just sort of playing off the cuff can be coached out of players. But there's always still going to be room for it. You know, you look at moments of brilliance in games and it's often like a, it's a basic skill executed really well. Um, yes, there's so much focus and we probably contribute to that a wee bit because we're so focused on the physical side of things. But we'll be the first people to say that the, it's all about the skill at the end of the day and the skill is the biggest part of it. Um, but... I still feel it's enjoyable because it's playing at a, a faster pace at a higher level. Yes, sometimes it's slow breaking teams down. Did you see that there? No. <laughs> Paula's not slow at all. She's knocking the gaff around. She's bringing the hurt of it. Um, <laughs> so, what was I saying? I, yes, with the physical side of things, you know, you're playing at a pace, sometimes maybe it's slow, but um, I definitely feel it makes it a lot more exciting. You know, players moving at faster speed, covering more ground, but then, you know, you look at some of the skills, like the skills just... just uh, you know, I think it's nearly a treat now when you see something executed really well, you see a brilliant score, a brilliant pass. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. It's going full cycle. I think just leave the game as it is and it always sort of works itself out. But if you, if there's, there's still nothing better than just seeing a player just playing off pure instinct and just uh, just dominating dominant the game skills ways. Like. I think what you do, PD, in terms of breaking down the check and the different changes direction, the different agility... Like, as I mentioned, teams are starting to figure out now how to create goal-scoring opportunities, how to create easy point-scoring opportunities by thinking about the space in behind your man as well as the space in front. Like, there's a lot more going on now in terms of how to open up defences and how to create chances, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, that game speed, being able to change direction, be able to, to lose your man, there's a lot more of that going on, a lot more... The, the physical qualities of the game or the players within the game are, is going up all the time so that's probably creating those moments of brilliance at times and we've seen it in the the, the, the final with Glenn and the goal with uh, Bridget when O'Carroll checked in behind his man and created the goal scoring opportunity like those things are happening all the time now um, and it's nearly impossible to mark yeah it's when you pair up the ability to move fast with the ability to think fast so that you can play fast Whereas there are some lads that can think fast, but they can't move fast. So they're going to be less likely to play fast. And there may be the players that are maybe the older statesmen that were playing off instinct before. But if you can develop the physical qualities, as you've just both said, to a level where 
you're above the average as well as being able to think faster in the opposition, then you're very, very hard um, athlete or forward to contain. And that's probably why we're talking earlier about Walsh, Clifford and McGuigan. Like, um, and then even just watching the Dublin and Monaghan game at the weekend, I was watching it with a guy that doesn't watch football at all. And he was saying, Jesus Christ, this is end to end. This is entertaining. And I was like, I think it's moving that way. I think it's gone very focused with a big emphasis now on transition to attack. Um, whereas we were not in the last few years, but maybe about six, seven years ago, it was very defense oriented. And it was about trying to limit what the opposition were scoring to win the game. Rather than now, it's like, okay, let's try and do that. But also when we get the ball, let's try and break and put as many scores on the scoreboard as we possibly can. And you can see that happening and you can see the game opening up. And when the game opens up and there's more kick passes inside with more space there, there's more room for more creativity and playing on instinct. Yeah. But your confidence comes from your experience. So if you never work on those movements in training, it's very unlikely that you're going to kick a ball to me on the inside and I'm going to be able to do a spin move and a, a, a check or whatever or a backdoor cut when I haven't tried to manipulate someone in training and learned how to do it before. Um, so that's the value in doing it. And I think that's the way the game is going and it's a positive way to go. The one thing that I will say that I absolutely hate that I think needs to change is they've tried to stop cynical play in the last few game or the last few minutes of the game. They haven't been successful in doing so. Um, I think they need to be a lot sterner on it, to be honest. I think lads need to be sent to the line a lot earlier. And I think... It can't be just in the last few minutes of games. It has to be throughout the game so that people are less likely to do so because it seems like the black card is only a second half rule at the moment. Yeah. Um, whereas if someone's playing with uh, a cynical style, I reckon there should be no issue sending them to the line in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. Would you agree as a backman on or would you staunchly disagree just in favour of staying on the field? No, I do. I do agree. Like it, it, it only seems to come in. You know, no referees. Like I can't remember the last time I seen a black card in the first half. Like, um, very rarely you're gonna get one. It's if you get a yellow, even you'll be, you know, you're doing well. Like, but um, I do think it needs to be. It do, does need to be implemented. But uh, if it's implemented on me, it'd be fuming. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just need to change that black card rule to any deliberate foul. Like, so many players are getting away with, like, deliberate fouls, but without pulling them onto the ground. And it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, like, it's nearly, a, it's, it's nearly a challenge how you can pull someone back without pulling them to the ground so you don't get a black card and you only get a yellow with a lot of players. Um, and then I feel if it's a clear goal scoring opportunity that you stop, then why shouldn't it be a red like soccer? Like, I do think um, I remember someone saying about the like the AFL rule, like the fifty meter penalty. Like I think um, that would be massive, and I suppose they kind of did if it was a clear goal scoring. Like if it was in twenty one, I think they were doing penalties there a couple of years ago, like um, or within the D. But um, yeah, there's definitely a few ways you can go about it and make it a bit harsher, a bit stricter. Like um, it's just mad. Like everything's just so open to interpretation too. Like um, which can be tricky, but. Aye, that's up to you, Peter. You can you can bring the changes. The change of directions, maybe. I don't know about the changes to the rules. Um, last question before we move on. And it is about a kind of a rule change in the last few years. What are your opinions on penalties being used at the end of the games to decide them? Do you mind as players or do you think it's a, like do you think it's a good way to finish it on the day? Yeah, I think Finishing on the day, I think. It, I think. It, I think all games should finish on the day. Like, see replays, and uh, I think every game should finish on the day. There's nothing worse as a spectator um, going to a match and it ended in a draw, and then you, it's just class game, exciting game. But you go home and you're almost going like, oh, for fuck's sake, I want to know who wins. Um, but I think as a player too, like, no, I, I don't, I don't mind penalties. Like, I think if you get to that stage and you haven't won it. Clearly, you haven't you haven't scored more points than the other team, and you're still a you're still level after extra time. Like aye, penalties, like class. It's excitement. It's a buzz. Um, yeah, no, I I don't mind it at all. Like I I think it's I think it's good. Like I agree. I think the reason like because there's penalties in soccer, people are like, nah, we're not we're not doing the same as soccer. Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. but, like penalties <laughs> penalties are a part of Gaelic too. Like you get a penalty within a game, so. 
just because it's in soccer doesn't mean it's part of Gaelic too. Um, and again, it creates excitement. As a player, I absolutely hate when I draw a game and I have to go and wait a full week to play again. Finish it in the day, best team wins and penalties and, and just get it over with. Um, if it's good enough for one of the biggest sports in the world, it's good enough for, for Gaelic football, in my opinion. Um, and Daphne, like, see that crack of going into 45s. Half, half the boys can't even kick a 45 if they had 10 attempts. So you'd be there all day and it'd be awful to watch. There'd be little, you know, I just think penalties is, is brilliant. Daisy colours. <laughs> yeah. It's more exciting. It's way more exciting having the penalties than it would be for the 45s. And that's probably one of the only other options. Um, yeah, so like the the only alternative to both of those that I could probably think of is like that... Uh, old MLS style penalty shootout where they used to have to take the ball from what would be probably 30 metres out and run the goalkeeper down for a one-on-one but most lads are going to finish them now that would be something else if we could see that trial they'd even uh, Sigerson Cup or something but I don't know if they're going to be likely to trial that if they're unlikely to trial penalties even just because it's a soccer mentality yeah. um, but I'd like to see McGurn running down bearing down on goal in the last <laughs> minutes of a game to try and decide if it went 1-1 against the keeper that would be pretty cool actually you think about it next score wins would be some crack <laughs> next score wins golden point cool. that'd be sick that'd, the crowd would be going mental that'd be insane yeah yeah you give some. You couldn't do that in a GA match. You give someone a heart attack. That's it. We murder. I had to talk. Definitely be fifteen behind the ball. Yeah, like, and if there was if there was a foul in a, a scoring up uh, and a scoring opportunity for a black or a red card, the referee would be getting chased out into the car park. Like. <laughs> right, yeah. boys. Great conversation as always. Um, thanks for tuning in for this episode of the Backdoor Cut. Thanks to Owen. Thanks to Dara for tuning in as well. And we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Good luck. Cheers, folks.